This is Moonshine and Music with Joe Shelton. Wait a minute, that's me. Anyway, we're going to bring you some inspiring songwriters, musicians, and maybe some side challenges and other stuff around the music industry. So stick with us right now, because the show is coming your way. Woo! Moonshine and Music starts right now. Welcome to Moonshine and Music. We're here today with Craig Helmreich. He is just Craig. It's just Craig. It's great to have you on the show. Hey, thanks for How having me. Doing? Good to see you. Doing well. Really good to see you. My um, my original list, I mean, this is like, you know, we're in 80 some odd episodes that you're going to be here. And I'm, uh, uh, I had you on the list at the first, like there were like 10 people when Brandon Lay and I first put the show together. You were one of the first 10, and it took me 80 times. I don't think it was your fault. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't for lack of asking. No, sometimes think. we play hard to get, you know? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I, I know. It's like, is this thing really going to last? I don't know if I want yeah. <laughs> No, you got to let it build up so that you can, yeah, like, jump like, in, like, towards the big 100. That is true. The big 100 coming. is coming. Yeah. It's coming hard, and it's going to be like a freight train when it gets here, I think. You know, or it'll go through with a whimper. We, we, we're not real sure. There's a lot of train metaphors in my life at this point, so. Yeah, I'm just thinking about quoting The Office over and over again. Like, um, but See, I'm trying really hard not to. There is one thing that would be lost on me. It's like rather strange. <sighs> I've never really watched The Office. I've seen like five seconds. I don't wow. know why. It's like one of those things. You ever have one of those shows where you're like. For sure. I don't Breaking even, Bad is the one for me where I've seen like. 60 minutes of it and people keep saying it's right up my alley and I would love it and I refuse to participate <laughs> <laughs> just because it is really good I have watched that one <laughs> um, <laughs> I've, I've done Breaking Bad and but I have not I don't know why the office uh, yeah, I, it's coming you know, it, it'll, it'll be happen. around yeah yeah it'll happen yeah. Some someday I'll be stuck on the couch for some reason and It'll just be the only thing that keeps popping up on my Netflix, forcing right. me to try and watch it. Kind of like Riverdale. Or, <laughs> you know, they, if they pop it up there enough, you're like, fine. Yeah, let's just clear this off. <laughs> let's get this done. So, um, you know, to introduce the world to you, uh, I know uh, you have a lot of things going on. Obviously, your, your uh, musical, um, your, your own musical artistry, but then... Um, you are the purveyor of something called Fourth Sunday Music Company, which we have talked about on the show a couple different times, different artists yeah. uh, that are... Some of the family's uh, been on, for sure. ...that are on your label. Yeah. Um, so, I, you know, I kind of want to start off with that. You know, yeah. like, where did you... Um, I mean, w what was the impetus for the concept of... Uh, I mean, honestly, being so uh, yeah. generous to the music community, it's a wonderful program. I love... Um, obviously, with the mission of our show and, and your company, they're very much aligned. We want to shine the love on, you know, independent music artists. Yeah. And, um, yeah, we, we came up with the idea. Um, I mean, it kind of flowed out of some of, some of my projects. Um, Jess and Kelsey Von Strantz had been backing me up a couple of times for some shows that I had. Um, and I went to see them play the Jess and the Disco Panthers set at Hi-Fi. 
um, and it was amazing. How and did I miss that? Yeah, it was like, uh, it was short notice. I forget who they were opening for, but it was wicked cool. Um, and just I te- the name of it's wicked cool. Yeah, I texted my buddy John Vanderslice during the show and was like, "Should we make a record for these, you know, ladies?" Um, and sent him a little clip. And like John does when you propose something cool, I think "fuck yeah" came back in like two seconds. Um, and and I started thinking, you know, we so we ended up going to California and making a record at Tiny Telephone. I made my second record and Jess and Kels played on it. And then they made their uh, Apple of Your Eye record. Um, And it's a really expensive proposition to fly your friends to California um, and fly all the musicians in and and spend a week or two making a record. Um, And when we came back, you know, the way I always tell the story is, I think the first time I met Meg, who, uh, Meg Christine Martin, who's here today, um, I tried to buy a CD or, you know, some music and she didn't have anything. And I was flabbergasted that somebody that was that good didn't have any recorded material. Um, and so I called up the guys at Postal and said, you know, what's the rate for a day? You know, what do you think of this idea of getting a local artist in once a month um, and trying to, you know, track a song or two and mix, master, and record it so that, you know, we can have like more stuff from our, our artists out there. Um, and the cost of doing that every single month for a year was so much less than the cost of making one of the albums we made in California. Um, so I think my wife said something like, well, this doesn't sound like a terrible idea, which in my marriage is permission. So, um, so we started doing it about two years ago. We've run, by the end of this year, we'll have put 30 local artists through uh, the studio. We don't always use Postal. Um, you know, one of the artists was already, Heaven Honey was already doing a project at Russian. Um, and so we just added a day to their project down there. Um, well, Richard Edwards is doing one for us. Um, and he's doing a lot of home recording uh, because of where his health is right now. Um, and so we helped uh, him kind of do some of the home recording stuff. But I think 28 of them will end up being at Postal. Um, it's kind of the center of our universe. Um, and. I think 23 songs are out so far, and we have at least that many more that are in the can that are coming. Um, so it's it's cool, you know. We've got. Well, I, you know, I think it's really interesting that um, on every level, um, artists need some assistance at some kind. Uh, like for sure. Know, when you talk about Richard Edwards, yeah. I mean, people know Margot and the Nuclear So and Sos as a pretty big group, right? And um, you know, the fact that even he needs. Yeah. you know, some assistance in getting his record yeah. done just says, hey, help help people. When it's they need so it. hard mm-hmm. to monetize music right now. It's so hard for artists to justify spending the amount of money that it takes to spend the time in the studio doing it right. Um, and on all levels, you know, it's just become harder for them to make money. So anything that people can do, um, you know, half of our friends in the industry that we're friends with, um, we're, we're friends with them because somebody recommended that they ask us if they could stay at our place in Nashville, like to, to save on tour costs, you know? And it's like, you don't think about that. Like if you saw the list of people that stayed at our condo, you, you'd be shocked. You'd be like, wait a minute, like doesn't a hotel come with their deal? And the answer a lot of times is no. <laughs> like almost everybody is out there scrounging and scratching and um, you know, a, saving them a hundred or 125 bucks on it, you know, not put, not using a dingy hotel room, you know, on tour, uh, makes all the difference for, for a lot of the acts that are out there grinding. 
I mean, yeah, if you take, you know, let's just say it's a small tour and it's like 30 nights. Yeah. Right? That's 30 times 100. That's three grand. That's yeah. that's no small amount, especially with what people get paid in, in a lot of the clubs. And people always ask, like, what they can do to help music. You know, you can listen to it. You can share it. You can stream it. You know, there's certainly some, uh, there's there's an importance of access. And I think it's good that people have the access, you know, for streaming and all of that. But people also need to realize that, you have to get a song played thousands of times now to make the amount of money that you'd make selling one CD. Um, and so, you know, you have to, artists, there's, there has to be other ways to support artists. And whether that's reducing their costs on tour, you know, whether that's helping with some recording, um, whether it's like looking at the merch table and going, I already have that shirt, but I'm going to buy another one, you know, because I know that they're opening this, this show tonight and they're probably making a hundred bucks and they have a full band out here for a hundred bucks. And, you know, <laughs> oh, yeah. um, they're not going to keep doing it if we don't find ways to support them. Um, and kind of like what you're doing here, you know, it's we have an all boats rise with the ocean uh, kind of approach. You know, not everything we do will be a hit. There'll be some misses, you know, but the people that miss um, will learn something about the recording process. And the next time they're in the studio, it'll be better. Um, and we're very proud that like we tell all our artists, if it sucks, bury it. You know, like we don't have to release anything. You don't have to say you were involved with us. Like we'd love it if you love it and you release it and you're, you know, screaming from the hilltops that Fourth Sunday helped you do something. But it's their art, and if it doesn't advance their mission, it doesn't advance our mission. Um, so. Well, that's um, I, I love that part of the program as well. That you know, it isn't a uh, a traditional record label, which is like we've put this money in, so come hell or high water, we're gonna stick it out there, even if it loses money. Yeah, we're a five hundred one c three. Like we're a nonprofit. Like we're designed to break even or lose money. Um, hopefully, <laughs> lose money a lot of it. Um, you know, but it's I love telling people like a hundred percent of the money that people donate to us and that we raise goes to the artists except for one thing. If they donate during, from a particular website using a credit card, like 2 or 3% gets shaved off. But other than that, because we have... It's the credit card. It's a credit card. But yeah. we have no expenses that get in the way. So somebody asked us a week ago, you know, how much does it cost to do one of your months? And, and I just said, our, you know, it's 500 bucks. That's our budget. And, and the next morning, you know, we had a commitment from, from three different people for three months next year. And it was like, oh... Like, like, cause people are, aren't aware that that's all it takes. Like we can get somebody into the studio with an engineer, um, you know, with a producer, uh, we have volunteer musicians that that'll add cool instruments. If somebody needs a cello and they don't have a cello player. Um, and, and I think as the word gets out, as the community at large kind of hears that that's all it takes. Um, you know, I think we will see a little bit more sponsorship. Um, we haven't been asking. Um, one of one of my pet peeves is businesses and charities that say they're going to do something before they're doing anything and don't prove their concept and don't prove their worth. Um, and so we, on purpose, didn't ask anybody to contribute for the first two years because we wanted to be able to say, here's what we've done, here's what we've accomplished, listen to this, before we were saying, you know, now help us make it go. Um, so. Well, you know, I... Um I understand the need for funding. Obviously, um, like Moonshine Amusing is all funded by Joe Shelton and Joe Shelton's artistry. Yeah. So any money I make off music ends up going back into this. Yeah. 
because um, I'm just trying to break even as well. But um, you should I, try I, to lose money; it's easier. <laughs> I, I've been good at that. I don't have to try. I, I'm yeah. I'm fantastic at losing money. Yeah. You wouldn't believe it. Um, but I, um, you know, I really appreciate having the same kinds of goals. Yeah. It's, um, um, it's all about getting music out there and making it sustainable. I mean, I'd like that people could make more music because they can find a way to make money at it yeah. and do that um, You know, in, in our next world, whatever this world is in the 21st century. We've been stuck, right? In, in last century's paradigm, it doesn't work now, you know? Yeah, I know. <laughs> you know. Artists have to be creative, too. They can't do the same thing that they've been doing and think that it's going to work. We're in a, wheeled, in a weird world uh, where... We don't know what the thing that's going to make money for artists 90 days or six months from now is. You just got to keep trying. You got to keep grinding. Um, you know, you have to just view it as I'm going to do this because I'm called to do this. And if people catch up with what I'm doing and somehow I monetize it, terrific. Because um, if you think about it the other way, it ends up being the tail wagging the dog. That's true. So. As we start to, I want to shift gears a little bit and talk about you know you as an artist and uh, and as a person. I mean, there's a lot there's a lot of stuff going on here. You got Fourth Sunday music. Um, you know what what started you down the path toward music? I know yeah. uh, you know I don't even know where did, where did you grow up and everything. Where, so I grew up in the Chicago suburbs, Wheaton, Illinois. Um, went to Bennett Academy in Lyle. Um, so that's all western suburbs of Chicago. And yet you're a St. Louis Cardinals fan. Yeah, it. Um, the first game I remember watching, I love this story. Um, 82 World Series, I think it was. Game 7 is literally the first game I remember watching. Uh, I asked my dad who we were rooting for. Uh, he said the Cardinals. Um, I didn't know it. Like, the family were all Cubs fans. But in that game, he was born in Missouri. And so he picked the Cardinals. Because, you know, the Cubs aren't in it. And the, and the Cardinals win the World Series in that game. Um, and it was just the coolest thing as a 7-year-old to to watch the pageantry of that and for your team the very first day to win everything. So the next year the season starts and uh, I'm rooting for the Cardinals and my dad's like, what the hell? Like, like we are Cubs fans in this house. What are you doing? <laughs> and it made him so angry that as a seven-year-old, like I was like, yeah, I'm going to keep doing this. Like, I'm going to keep rooting for the Cardinals. So, uh, so we got to go to a lot of Cubs-Cardinals games, you know, one a year probably growing up um, and the whole family would root for the Cubs and I'd root for the Cardinals and it worked out much better for me than it did for them you know they're one championship in a hundred years they can have and yeah you picked a team that actually wins yeah, sometimes. yeah that, was, that was good i mean i'm a white Sox fan so i'm long suffering as well yeah um <laughs> they got one off in there yeah oh five yeah you know that was uh that was wonderful the cubs won the uh, i mean the, the white Sox won the world series and the colts won the super bowl yeah like back to back it was it was incredible i enjoyed me. that Sox win because the, the cardinals went um the, the year adjacent to it. And I just knew how much that would burn up Cubs fans to have the Sox win and the Cardinals win back to back. So I was definitely rooting for the Sox that year. Hey, well, we thank you for your support. Yeah. Um, I, uh, I, I root for the Cardinals against the Cubs every single time. I don't know what it is. Yeah, you have um, to. Yeah. Um, but so, so I came out here um, in 93 to go to Butler. Uh, I ran cross country and track for Butler. Uh, did a political science and philosophy double major there. Um, met my wife, um, stayed, 
you know, there's no taking a Pendleton girl out of Central Indiana. You know, it was very, it was, uh, it was. I understand that. It was very clear um, that I was going to stay here, and I shouldn't act like I don't love it here. I am, I love it way more than I love the Chicago area. I tell my friends uh, that are still back in Chicago, and they say, "How could you live in Indy?" I say, "What do you mean? The the time to get to downtown Chicago from here is the same as the western suburbs. It's three hours. <laughs> you know, like like this did not change my commute to Chicago one bit. I can get there as easy as any of them can. Um, but I love the cost of living here. I love the the access to things. I love that we call it rush hour when we slow down to 30 miles an hour on the interstate. Um, yeah, I've experienced Chicago's rush hour. It's yeah. kind of fun. Yeah, and our scene. I mean, like, the first time I played a show here, like, Jeff Kelly, you know, came running up with open arms and treated me, you know, acted like I'd been in the local scene for decades. Um, and we have a very inviting, very inclusive, very supportive local scene um, that you just don't find in, in a bigger city. Um, everybody's on their own. Everybody's uh, scratching and clawing. Um, you know, so Indy has tons of advantages. Um, so um, you you went to Butler, I did. and then yep. and then what? What what happened straight um, after that? Because you didn't start playing music for quite a while. Yeah, I played right? a little bit at Butler. I, I made a CD in my dorm room that I've I've been threatening to. Uh, Nat and the Twelve Trombones was the the name of the I, band. I really love that name. Yeah. Like we 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 are connoisseurs of original band names. Yeah, okay. And well, that's one thing I generally ask everyone. Yeah. And the the strangeness that's come out of it. But what was that? That was Nat. Nat and, and the, the Twelve Trombones. And the Twelve Trombones. I was obsessed with flea. I have two tattoos. Both of them are <laughs> fleas. Um, and so Nat was the closest thing to flea that wasn't taken. Um, I thought I was a genius. I was probably intoxicated when I came up with that. And the 12 trombones, I thought of this revolving band. Like, you know, I'm never going to be able to convince, like, somebody to play drums for me forever, but, like, I could have these <laughs> rotating musicians or something. So we made this uh, album in a dorm room um, called Betraying the Cool Exterior, which was a X-Files quote. Um, Mulder gets a bunch of crap all over him and says something about, you know, um, betraying his cool exterior. And I was like, oh, that's so cool. I'm stealing it. Um, it's full of great songs. Like Suicide Song, uh, which is about a guy who jumps out a window and decides as soon as he jumped that it was a really bad idea. <laughs> and there's like a refrain about a cat licking him up as he drips all over the sidewalk. Um, yeah, it was a, you know, like my more recent stuff. It's happy, it's lighthearted, you know, it's, <laughs> it's not it's incredibly depressing. Um, so I, I actually have threatened to put it up on now that we have a. Uh, a label account for the you nonprofit. You threaten. I know. I should just toss it up there. Like, I we, mean, we, we'll, we would listen to it. <laughs> You'll laugh. I mean, it's it's cringe and laugh worthy. <laughs> that sounds like my first record. Yeah. So yeah, I mean. <laughs> yeah. So and I did some coffee house shows when I was at Butler, some stuff like that, um, and then I took it to the basement. You know, as as my law career. His law school came after Butler at IU, um, and uh, as, as kind of starting as a young attorney, um, it was just how I blew off steam in the basement. Um, and it wasn't until I was about to turn 40, um, I had this idea of like trying to write again, um, and I thought of, I saw uh, Ryan Adams and Butch Walker play. Um, I shouldn't tell this story on video, but um, Ryan Adams played drums for Butch Walker. Butch did the opening set at Old National. Uh, and Ryan looked so awkward and terrible playing drums 
that I thought, I could do that. Like, I could look that bad playing an instrument. And he was okay with it. He owned it. And it wasn't terribly mu terrible musically. It just looked really bad. And it got me starting to think about, why am I not trying to do something musically? I have, you know, you have all these hang-ups of, I'm not as good as so-and-so, and I, you know, don't have all these talents. Well, true, but Ryan Adams cannot play drums. And he went out there in front of 3,000 people and played drums. Uh, so I thought, I'll do a covers record because um, I wasn't real confident that I could write anything. Um, and then as I started doing it, like you start trying to play Oh My Sweet Carolina or something like that, and you say to yourself, why would I cover this? Like the original is so much, I would rather listen to the original than listen to myself like flub through the original. So then my, I came up with this idea of, okay, well, I'm going to deconstruct my favorite songs. And I realized I love like C to F. I love A minor to F. Um, throw a capo on it so that it's not always C to F or A minor to F. Sometimes it's the same shapes, just shifted with a capo. <laughs> um, and I love walking bass lines, um, and I love like kind of really generic lyrics that when people hear them, they can't tell what you're talking about, but they think you're talking about whatever it is that they're going through. And so I kind of deconstructed my favorite songs and wrote one song, wrote Lucky Rider, um, and I sent it to my buddy Mark Ford, who uh, played guitar in the Black Crows for years and years and years and is in Magpie Salute now, just crushing. Um, and I sent it to my bud, John Vanderslice, uh, who owns Tiny Telephone. John did oh, some of the early work with St. Vincent, some of the early Spoon records, um, the early Death Cab records are all John's stuff. Um, and both of them, I, I sent this email to both of them that said, I know this guy who's making a record and I can probably get you guys on it if you're interested. And I got back like, fuck yeah, from both of them within 10 minutes. And I was like, oh shit, I think I'm making a record. Like, like no, I guess I have to do this. Um, so I was about to turn 40. I told my wife, hey, I think I, I know what I want to do for my 40th birthday. Like, let's go make a record with Mark and John. Um, and Elijah Ford jumped in on it. Um, and Jason Slota, who plays with Town and the Get Down, Stay Down, jumped in. Um, Rob Shelton from Myrna came out. And we made the first record at Tiny Telephone in San Francisco. Um, and we sold one of the songs, like we got a placement for a commercial, um, which I didn't even know was a thing at the time that we got the offer for it. Um, and we got some radio airplay in Europe, um, and we got way more streams than I ever thought. I mean, not huge numbers by any stretch, but like I didn't think I would listen to it after we made it. And so I was really surprised <laughs> that other people listened to it. Um, and then it was just so cool to do that, that we decided to do the second one. Um, so. so what are the names of the albums for the people out yeah, there? Yeah, uh, the first them? record is uh, Blood on the Table uh, by It's Just Craig. And It's Just Craig is a joke. I do definitely do not take myself so seriously that I'm like, hey, I'm fucking Craig over here. You know, it's the, <laughs> the idea is that my records have professional musicians like from real touring bands, like all over them. And I couldn't do it without them. And the joke is that it is definitely not just Craig. Like this is like a team effort of like lifting my boat to, to make it look like something that it isn't. Um, so Blood on the Table is the first one, and I love that title because it's a quote from John Vanderslice, the producer. Um, uh, I, at some point, uh, 
a tambourine or something was dropped during the session. And it mm -hmm. sounded so cool as it bounced off of a keyboard and landed on the floor through the overhead mic. We left it in. It's on the record. Um, and it's like those happy mistakes, those things you don't plan to do that just sound cool. Um, you know, as John says it, like you cannot make a sterile record that's just all Pro Tools and you're, you're pitch shifting everything so it's perfect. Like you have to have some of that reel in there and, and that those things that just happen. And so his line is you just have to leave a little blood on the table. And I was like, oh yeah, I'm stealing that. Like, that's the title. Um, and of course, at the time, I hadn't done a deep dive on Bob Dylan yet. So what is the what is the limit for the blood on the table? You know, I there mean, is no limit. I mean, I mean like, sometimes I, I've left plenty. Yeah. Like, like Scads of blood, on, like pints yeah. of blood on the table. Sometimes it's a murder scene. <laughs> the last track on that first record, my vocals are so far out of tune. Like, I'm so far off. And they would not let me redo them. They're like, no, this song is freaking depressing, and it goes to a whole new place when the vocals are this terrible. <laughs> and I was like, actually, I don't think I can argue with that. Like, let's just leave it. Um, I don't know if I'd make that same choice again. Um, but I understand. But yeah, you got to try some of that stuff, and the flubs and the interesting things, you know, just make it cool. Yeah, I mean, you know, um, the, the, the internet is full of critics. Yeah. So like you throw a record out there and <laughs> and then and you know a few people listen to the thing and then they they want to just pick out like the three things that are yeah the you know not good instead of the the you know you've got yeah. like a whole slew of stuff that is cool or really good on your record and they go to like track eight yeah. that you didn't really care if it was on there or not yeah. you know like and yeah. they pick out like the dude the, I had people you know. that criticized so on the second record on Dark Corners um, it's a concept album the whole record's told from the story of a cargo boat or from the perspective of a cargo boat captain and people and Dark Corners is my favorite one. Oh yeah mine too I love yeah. it I, I don't know that I'll ever be able to top that thing I just I love it start to finish and you know the cool thing about that is the whole concept of that was just an act accident. Um, Vanderslice and I were talking about Jess and Kelsey's record and like what days we were going to record it and what musicians we needed to have there. And um, he said, hey, I'm really sick of this logistics. Like, just tell me a story from work. Like, tell me something that you have going on. And I said, oh, man, like Hanjin, this, this ocean liner has declared bankruptcy and all the shipments between Korea and the rest of the world, 52 boats, they're just stranded all over the ocean. And I just said, can you imagine working your whole life to be a captain of one of these 52 boats? And you, you, know, you leave your family, you leave everything you know on land for the, the risk and the perils of the sea and the temptations of the sea and all these other things. And then you get to your destination. Like some of these boats were two miles from LA. They could see the port, but they weren't allowed to come in because it cost $2 million to unload a boat and the company was out of money. So there was no money to unload them. So for 14 or 16 weeks, they dropped anchor in view of their destination and they couldn't pull in. And so I said to John, yeah, so my entire next record is gonna be from the perspective of a stranded cargo boat captain. <laughs> and John goes, that's fucking genius. And I was like, oh shit, I think it, like, I think it is. I guess I need to write a whole record about this. And so like the first eight tracks on Dark Corners are the thematic story of leaving land and being excited about it, but also being you know, a little bit uneasy about what's in front of you. And then the second track is about being by yourself and being okay, you know, being out there on the ocean alone. And it kind of progresses along this whole story arc um, in a way that I think, you know, it's not really about a cargo boat captain. It's really about relationships and struggles and things people go through. 
Um, but talking about criticism, the ninth track on that record is two minutes of silence. And it's two minutes of silence because I was thinking about it in terms of vinyl. You know, like there's one song about Jason Molina that I had left from the first session that we didn't get done um, that I we took another shot at in the Dark Corner session and it came out great. 39, it's, it's one of my favorite things that we've done. Um, but it has nothing to do with this cargo boat captain story. So I thought we'll make it a hidden track. We'll put two minutes of silence on the record and then all of a sudden it'll just jump into this unrelated song. And there were like six reviews that were like, I just don't get this track nine. I'm like, track nine is fucking silence. There's nothing to get there. Like, it's space between the concept album and this leftover thing. Uh, so, yeah, you know, you got to take critics worth a, uh, you know, worth, worth a grain of salt. I mean, it's, you know, they just, sometimes they just don't get it. And that's okay. Yeah, I, I, I understand. I, I think that, um, you know, uh, the, the Dark Corners record for me, I was having a dark place in my life at the time that it, you you came out with it and it, it was one of the uh, it was I think it was the first record I heard of yours really I don't yeah. think I'd heard the previous and um, the the thing that you said earlier kind of touched home with me it, it may be about something else but you write those things in a way that you just you know glom onto it yeah. and put it in your own world yeah and um, I, I, I've said this before and people have heard me say it but uh, Chris Wilson who's a good friend of mine great dude told me once wait who is Chris Wilson yeah he's Chris Wilson in the heresy fame um, but he um, he said to me one time I like the sad songs because it lets me know that I'm not alone oh yeah you know and um, and that really stuck with me and it it's part of why I connected with your record that way because uh, you know the dark of being the stranded yeah. boat captain is kind of like the same thing that I feel when I write like something like my song City of Trains, which is like I feel like I'm just stuck at a train track. Yeah. I can't cross, even if the train isn't there, you know? Um, so that same sentiment... Did you have trouble entering the that. street as a child? Like, I couldn't cross the street as a kid because I thought an invisible race car was going to run me over, <laughs> and it was silent before there were silent cars. I don't know if I was way... Like, Elon Musk has nothing on me. I invented, like, the silent race car like right. 35 years ago but yeah i couldn't yeah. step into the street as a kid because i thought this invisible race car was gonna run what me over I, is that is it a chris wolf thing like with the invisible dog uh, maybe you, you maybe know? it's all chris wolf <laughs> we just have him to thank for all these ideas Who's he? i don't know i don't know we're talking about chris's uh, all of a sudden well we've come to the part in the program where we have to welcome in and i can't believe i'm doing this the moonshine genie is going to join us um, this week, we, he's uh, this is uh, Brentley Smith has many coats and many uh, things that he's he wears. Got a, it's a great collection. Many, of coats. many jobs. He's the moonshine guru. He's the world's greatest trivia player. He's undefeated, um, and he has also uh, been the moonshine psychic. And today, he's the moonshine genie. All right. What do you got for us today, Brent? <laughs> Very important. I'm so intrigued. No one else touched the lamp. <laughs> if you touch the lamp, touch you will be cursed for eternity. That's what she said. <laughs> See, that's an office reference. You shouldn't get that. You've never seen it. Well, I get that from, like, uh -huh. pop culture in general. All right, so are we ready? Okay, ready. Okay, I get to touch the lamp. Or else this <laughs> bit doesn't work. That's what she said. <laughs> or else this bit doesn't okay. work. I like that part. All right. I am the genie of the lamp. What do you want? Uh, <laughs> a nap? Done, but later. 
Okay. <laughs> you get a couple more things, I guess. Okay. Um, it's granting wishes. Hmm. Wow. This is a tough one. It is tough, right? Like, well, what, 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 does what would you wish want? for? World peace. It's not gonna happen. <laughs> it's not an all-powerful genie. It's just a regular genie. Um, I'm like a, a medium-level genie. All right. Um, uh, Show doesn't pay enough for the high level. Yeah. How about the um, the ocean garbage patch to disappear and not reappear somewhere else? Like, I don't know. Too many conditions. Ah, uh, yeah, it's too long. It's a compound. It's a compound wish. Yeah. Yeah, it's like it's like multiple wishes. Yeah. I want to be able to swear around children. Done. <laughs> Fuck yeah. <laughs> All right. I love this genie. Next time you see a kid, just yeah. let him fucking have it. Yeah. yeah. Awesome. There's nothing but fucks for kids. Yeah. The words. Whoa. Words. Oh, yeah, just the yeah. words. I, you can get in real I trouble with that. Undo that last wish. <laughs> Can't do that. that that's another wish. wish is done, is done. Yeah, it's done. All right. What happened? <laughs> what do you mean? Fuck, I don't know. Yeah, you, you, the, the the genie was like living inside you. Is that were you? It's on tape. You'll get to see it later. All right. Yeah, this is my first time. I just got this like the other day, so yeah. I'm not sure how it worked. <laughs> it was it was exciting. It was exciting. We, we, yeah, okay. we were in. Everybody, comedian Brentley Smith, the moonshine genie for the day. Man, I should have worked on those wishes. I knew it's I wasn't going to be prepared. It's a struggle, right? It, it, it is. I, I, you know. I tried to keep it thematic, I guess, right? Cargo boat captains, ocean garbage patches. Like, it's all tied together. It, it is, and it's it's a strong it's a strong set of wishes. Actually, the last one, I, I'm all for. I, um, I find it ridiculous sometimes. <laughs> so, um, we do have an E for explicit on our show for a reason. Excellent. Good. Uh, I knew, I knew you'd have to before you'd welcome me here. So I, I, you know, I've had many other folks. We had Holly Schultz on, so yeah, I mean that, that had to happen. Um, Anyway, what what are the what are the songs you're gonna do for us today? I know you're gonna have uh, Meg and Christine Martin, yeah, singing with you. Yeah, I can't wait. I love I love working with Meg. Um, I think uh, for sure we'll do Go, um, and I don't know. Well, you get we get to do we do two usually. All right. Well, so. then we'll pull we'll pull sick of my shit out. It's been in uh, hibernation for years. I can't remember the last time I played it. I like hibernation. Yeah. yeah bring out something cool. Yeah. So so we'll I, try an old one. You know, um, uh, 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 as an aside note, I um, when, when the first time I met you, you were at uh, Square Cat Vinyls open stage, and you had just written a song, and I had just started coming into Indianapolis a lot to play music. And I saw you um, playing a song that you hadn't just written, yeah. and your hands were shaking. Yeah, I remember. And I was very, very, like, uh, comforted. Yeah, we talked about it that night. Right, because yeah. like I, uh, whenever I'm doing a song for the first time, it's like the most terror yeah. that I feel in my life. <laughs> Performing is you know? complete terror for me every single time, but you I'm, just fake your way through it, you know. I mean, I, I'm I'm not as terrified just playing stuff that I've really like played a lot. Yeah. But when it's something new, that's when it like, you know. The fear strikes deep, even if it's like for the three people who aren't listening at Books and Brews. You know what right, I'm saying? Right. Like, <laughs> yeah. It's like, ooh, I haven't played this live before. 
Uh. <laughs> you know, when, I, when I, I opened for Liz Cooper in January and I had a, bit, a rough day at work, like it was such a long day that I was like, I'm not even changing for this show. Like I'm not even going to rock and roll up my, I'm just going to wear my suit on stage. And I did. And, uh, and I walked out and I was just in such a shit mood and, and I told the crowd, look, I know you're here to see Liz. Uh, I'm here to see Liz too. Um, if this is terrible, it'll be 18 minutes. And if it's amazing, it'll be 27. And so like you all know what you're in for. And they if were in, handle, they were all in. You can like, handle half an hour. Yeah, if you, I mean, you know, if, if, you real, if you don't take yourself too seriously and you just go out there and do it and and be a little bit vulnerable and let the let the audience in, typically they're, they're they're there to support the arts and music in general and they'll jump in um and you know that was a good lesson that was the first time i ever played a real set completely solo um and it's not it's probably easier than playing in a band because you can float the time however you need to and you can forget your lyrics and pretend like it's just a dramatic pause and um you know (laughs) yeah like there's there's four extra bars that's right instrumental i'm gonna turn this one more time because i am feeling this a minor right now (laughs) (laughs) or i don't know what i don't know what the lyrics are i wrote them i'm like trying to mouth to somebody else (laughs) do you know the words to my song I know there are only three chords and eight lyrics. See, you can get help from the audience when you're playing, say, Wagon Wheel. Yeah, that's true. If you you kind of forget the lyrics to that, you You. can look out there and somebody will help. If you're doing Go, it's, you know, it's a crapshoot as to whether they might know the words, right? Yeah, if there's one of my four fans there, they might be able to sing along. And (laughs) uh, thank God for those four. I know that feeling. Yes, exactly. well, I, I want to make sure everybody goes and finds you out there. Um, you got Fourth Sunday. Fourth Sunday Music Company dot com. Fourth Sunday Music Company dot org. Um, right. Is out there. Facebook, uh, Instagram. It's on all of those. Um, it's just Craig dot com. It's just Craig's all over the socials. It's on every streaming service you can think of. Um, so I'll try to make sure I include some of that in the show notes. Cool. Um, and so that people can click on it and yeah, easily. Thanks, but, we appreciate um, it. I really appreciate you coming on the show. Yeah, it's been really fun me. talking to you today. Yeah. And I can't wait to see you perform. Oh, thanks. Thanks a lot. Thanks for having we'll me. We'll be right back on Moonshine and Music with It's Just Craig. It's been a couple years since I've played this one, but this is, uh, uh, some would say, my theme song, Sick of My Shit.
have versions of songs that they play live that are safe. Um, this is the version of the song that I play in my basement that is not safe, so hopefully it goes okay. Uh, this is called Go, basement version. Maybe it's 
Moonshine and Music is a presentation of Not Less Entertainment. Copyright 2019, all rights reserved. Our producer is Joe Shelton. Our cameraman, Grip, and stunt double is Brent Lee Smith. On cameras and all sorts of other stuff, Bailey Shelton. And our staff guru is Brent Schlemmer. Join us each Sunday for more episodes of Moonshine and Music. <laughs>